For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. I am so excited to share my interview today with Andrea Pollock, the founder of Autism Parent Solutions. I had such a great time chatting with Andrea. She shared how through her son's diagnosis and homeschooling process, she learned that traditional quote unquote parenting wisdom wasn't always right. And with her son with autism, a lot of those discipline techniques were ineffective. And through this process of setting up a homeschool setting and researching all different types of approaches and therapies, she learned how to really individualize her approach with her son. And now she's sharing all of this great wisdom that she has with the entire autism community. And she works as a parent coach, working directly with families on how to help their children succeed. I think this is so amazing because I think parents really need someone in their corner that isn't always necessarily someone from the school team or the therapy team that can help them navigate everything that gets so complicated. So Andrea and I cover a lot of ground on this process and how she works with families now. So I can't wait for you to hear from Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me here. Happy to be here with you. So I'd like to start off our conversation and have you share a little bit about your son and really what brought you to the world of autism. Sure. Um, I have a son. He's 24. His name is Matthew. And when he was younger, we had a hard time finding a school that could serve him. So I wound up leaving my career and homeschooling him, which I did for eight years. 
And when he was ready to go back to school, I really felt that it would be a shame for me to not share all that I had learned with him, uh, with other parents, because I, you know, experienced that there were so many of us trying to do this on our own and figure it all out on our own. And I knew that I had learned so much that I could help parents, you know, learn it more quickly without so much trial and error. And so I went back to school, got my master's in education, and here I am today. That's so amazing that you were such a great advocate for your son and then really willing to share all of that with, you know, this this community because there are so many parents that as you said are going through this alone. And unfortunately, I talked to a lot of parents that are in that position you were in where they kind of are forced into this choice of homeschooling because the setting is not safe or appropriate or available. And, you know, I talked to a parent recently who said they're like, I'm a reluctant homeschooling parent. And I was like, that's a, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> Um, so that, that's so great. Cause I know that there's, you know, obviously such a need for that when you got started with, you know, your son's diagnosis and this decision to homeschool, and you kind of looked at the, the kind of conventional parenting wisdom and, and techniques that people were telling you to do, or just, oh, well, this worked for my kid. Maybe try this. You know, did you struggle with some of that? And were those things that were, were missteps that were not working quite well that, you know, what everyone says, quote unquote, to do, might not work with some of our unique learners. Absolutely. I mean, I did struggle through a lot of trial and error, which, as I mentioned, was part of the motivation for wanting to help other parents because I know I can save them a lot of grief along the way. Um, I have a daughter who's two years older than my son, and, you know, I started out parenting her, I think, the way I had been parented and the way I saw parenting being done. And when I tried to parent my son the same way, uh, I would say it ended in fiasco a lot of times. And I really had to just be much more thoughtful about my parenting and about his needs and about what I was trying to achieve. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and I mean, I, I quote Dr. Stephen Shore, who's a well-known autistic author often that, you know, he said, if you've met one individual with autism, you've met one individual with autism. And I'm obviously that rings true with parenting as well, that like, Maybe what worked with your other kids or what's worked, you know, when you were a child might not fit the way that some of our learners learn and navigate the world. Absolutely. And, you know, what I really learned along the way was that, you know, to be more thoughtful in parenting in general was going to be beneficial for any child, including my daughter. You know, yeah. it was, it, yeah, I had to give it much more thought to what was I trying to achieve you know, what was my goal here? Um, you know, I probably in, initially gave uh, more credit to things like rules and following rules and boundaries and things like that. Not that those things aren't important. Absolutely, they are. But I gave less thought probably than I should have to who they were, who they wanted to be, how they were emerging, those kinds of things. That's a great point. And I like that word thoughtful because I, I notice myself as a parent, you know, that I'm not always thoughtful about things I'm saying yes to or no to or trying to enforce. And later I'm like, why didn't I, why didn't, why did I say no to that request? That was a reasonable request that my child had. But, you know, right. we get stuck in this like, quote unquote, should, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And also what will other people think and what am I supposed to do? Uh, so I was letting those things guide me more than I should have. Uh, and Matthew was the gift uh, that showed me that was not going to work. So as you're in this role of parent coach and obviously talking to a lot of parents of different types of students and kids, 
What do you see as some commonly misused behavior management strategies that, you know, are kind of consistently maybe ineffective with, with our kids with autism? Well, the big ones are really, um, in my experience, rewards, punishments, and particularly threats. And again, I'm not saying that there's no room for rewards and punishments. Of course, we absolutely will use them as parents. Um, But what I find is when parents overuse those, uh, sometimes they are not really helping their children achieve the goal that they're trying to meet. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes they're trying to motivate the child with with a reward to do something that the child really isn't able to do yet. They don't have the skills yet. And to try to motivate them when it's a skill problem is targeting the wrong issue. If you could see me now, Andrea, I'm like very like aggressively nodding my head because I so, so agree with you. And I and I talk about this quite a bit when I do trainings with teachers. And I, I always share this concept of can't do or won't do. And you're exactly right. right. Try to motivate, you know, a, a can't do issue. They still don't have those skills. Like we can't suddenly, you know, wave a magic wand and our kids have flexibility and organization and skills that just are not yet developed. And motivation doesn't really change that. Exactly. And punishments don't teach the skills either. Right. So if we try to punish a child for failing to meet an expectation they were never going to meet because they didn't have the skill and punishing them just makes them feel bad about themselves. But it doesn't increase the odds they're going to meet the goal next time. And then threats, I find actually there's very little room for threats. That's one where, you know, I don't really find that that's ever useful because you know, in my experience, what happens is it increases a child's dysregulation, right? Our children already have issues with self-regulation and the prospect of a threat sometimes increases that dysregulation and it therefore decreases the odds of them meeting the goal instead of motivating them to do it. Yes. And like often I think when we use threats, you know, the I think more often than not, they're unrealistic or empty threats that we're really not going to follow through on. And I am like ridiculously guilty of this as a parent, which is funny because, you know, I'm I'm a BCBA, a former special ed teacher, but like, (laughs) yeah, when you're like tired and it's your own kids, like suddenly you're saying things and you're like, oh my gosh. But, you know, first of all, our kids know when it's not a real, it's not a contingency. It's not like if we do this, then we will do this. That's different. You know, a threat comes kind of from this place of punishment or from this place of like control and power almost as a parent, which is just ineffective. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you. So a lot of these, you know, strategies that are kind of in our, like, if you buy just like a parenting book, you know, there's probably millions of parenting books out there. Why are maybe some of these strategies unsuccessful for kids with autism? Um, I find a lot of it is because some of the underlying philosophy of those strategies is that the parent is the leader and the child is the follower. And if you start with that premise, that works for some kids and you know, good luck if that does for you, (laughs) but we need to take into account the child's needs, their interests, their desires, their abilities much more. It's a much more, in my experience, collaborative process than it is that the parent dictates the structure and the child follows it. Does that make sense as as an answer to that question? And I can maybe imagine that 
when you decided to homeschool, that was potentially at the root of some challenges you were having at school that people weren't really recognizing his unique needs. Absolutely, it was. And, you know, to to say I loved that phrase, reluctant homeschooling parent, I was, (laughs) you know, (laughs) reluctant times 10. I had no idea what I was doing. (laughs) But what I could see was that he was struggling every day and that he was actually I felt he was regressing because he was withdrawing further into himself. And I just knew that even if we were to lay on the bed and tickle each other all day, it had to be better. So with that as my standard. I I jumped in. Yeah. So where did you start when you started this journey as the, you know, the reluctant time spent homeschooling parent? How did you kind of dive in to learn about what strategies to bring to your homeschooling program? I really dove into uh, everything I could find. I mean, I had learned, uh, you know, a bit about ABA because the school he was at was an ABA school and the principles made a lot of sense to me. The way it was being executed at the time wasn't working for him. Um, I also, I studied floor time. I took a lot of courses uh, at the Option Institute, which runs the Sunrise Program. I studied RDI, and I really just tried to consume everything I could to try to make sense of how could I, um, you know, help connect with my son. That was the starting place. We really, you know, he was so withdrawn that just starting to connect was the first goal and then building from there. And when you had this transition back to a traditional school setting, how did you communicate with the team and the staff there about kind of who he was and what, I mean, you probably had such a great learning profile on him at that point when, cause you're, if your goal, you know, you're starting at connection. And then once you get that, you can really get into the learning. Obviously you had a really deep understanding of how your son learns when you transition back into a traditional school setting, how did you communicate all of that and make sure that they were going to kind of follow some of those pr- principles? Um, that's a great question. I was very, very lucky. I found an amazing school for him that I I just knew was going to work. And what I decided was initially just to sit back and to see, because I had been guiding his education for so many years. And I thought, you know, it might be so beneficial for him to have so many different kinds of inputs after that. Right. So that rather than trying to control it, I thought, let's see what happens and see where we go. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Also, part of why I knew he was ready to go back to school was because he was so ready uh, for social interaction. Um, you know, I definitely I had other people helping me. He he socialized with a lot of adults, but he was really ready for peer interaction. And because that was the priority, I let that, um, you know, I let that be the place where I wanted to watch him grow. So I put less emphasis in, on that moment on his learning profile. And um, and then they just handled it so beautifully. I really didn't need to. Uh, share all of that detail. Of course, I had input and they were open to it, but, um, you know, they brought so many new and beautiful things to the table for him. Oh my gosh. That's like the dream, right? Like you're like, yes, it, I found someone great that's going to handle this and I can step back. It was, it was a, it was a real dream. It was amazing. So for parents that are maybe in this situation where they have been homeschooling, but are ready. And I think a lot of parents potentially could be here right now because COVID, I think prompted a lot of homeschooling decisions and, you know, when virtual instructions didn't work for a lot of our learners. And if they're now like, okay, let's start to look back at what school options there are. What kind of words of encouragement do you have for parents in that situation? I think sitting back and seeing it first, how it goes is great advice. Um, but what other words of encouragement do you have regarding that choice? I do think it's important to be a partner with the school. Um, I, I, I do think sitting back for a moment and seeing what they bring to the table first and then trying to shape it sort of the way we work with our children, right? Um, instead mm -hmm. of setting the agenda, we see what they bring and we work with them. We collaborate. Same idea. Um, I think there are great schools. I think there are great people out there trying to do the best they can. And I think uh, collaborating with them is, you know, the best way forward. And it, and there's a lot of great opportunity for that. And also being open-minded and flexible. Sometimes we get ourselves so stuck on the way it has to be that we are the ones who wind up bringing uh, rigidity to the, to the plan. So remembering to stay open-minded and flexible in that moment is also very helpful. Yes. I think that's so true. I think, I think this happens to teachers a lot. I know this used to happen to me that like, I, took on a lot of the rigidity of my students, like too much. Like if art class was canceled, like I was the one like having a meltdown and like my students were okay. Cause I was like, no, we can't be canceled. Um, yeah, I think, you know, being, being flexible that like, you know, especially if you've had that homeschooling bubble for a while that like there could be new ideas and there are, you know, I, I encourage, I think that sit back and just see how it goes at first is great advice because, to me, so much of the success of a program depends on who that classroom teacher is. And there's truly amazing classroom teachers that are in schools that don't look pretty from the outside and program, you know, districts that are quote unquote, not so great, but there's amazing hardworking teachers in those classrooms that can really connect with kids. And I'm always like, just wait and see how it goes in that classroom. Um, Absolutely. So that, I totally agree. That's yeah. good advice. You know, the, the flexibility thing is so funny you're saying it because one of, it's one of the principles I teach parents all the time because we do tend to meet our kids' inflexibility with equal inflexibility. And I get <laughs> it. It's because we're trying to avoid chaos, right? We're, we're concerned that that's what's about to happen, right? And yeah. it's just so important to develop that self-awareness to help bring flexibility to the table first. We have to model it and teach it. Yeah. 
And like in life, you know, flexibility is such an important skill. Like there are changes all the time. It's unavoidable. And if we avoid teaching our kids to be flexible, they're going to continuously struggle in whatever setting they're in. Right. Absolutely. And it's a hard one. I mean, our kids are, you know, known for being super rigid, um, but just like anything else we teach them, we teach them little by little in small increments that they can tolerate, right? It's not about forcing rigidity. That's never going to work, right? It's just little by little helping them see that they can be a little more flexible and live to tell about it. Yeah, exactly. So I love that you're in this role of a parent coach because I I love a coaching model. And why why have you found this coaching model to be really successful with families versus just like, here's my book, read my book and good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I actually love the coaching model for this because for a couple of reasons, first of all, I do think the books, I mean, look, there's so much important material out there and it's great for parents to consume that. But sometimes when you go to apply it to your own child, it can be very difficult to know the nuances, right? And also it can be easy to try something, have it not work, and then give up because you think that didn't work. But what really needs to happen is a small tweak to make it work. So this is a way to have an interactive conversation that's ongoing to help a parent learn how to use the information that they have, right? The information without the knowledge of how to use it is not as helpful. So that's one piece that's very, very helpful is the implementation and the ongoing Um, interaction around solving problems. And then the other thing is that so much of parenting, there are underlying beliefs that drive your actions. And it's very hard to see your own underlying beliefs sometimes. So having a coach help you unearth those and take them out and see if you want to continue to believe those, because of course you can say, yeah, I like that belief. But mm-hmm. sometimes that's the difference between success and not success. And I, I can give you an example that I love that's I easy and applicable to most people. You, I was literally just going to ask you for an example. So I'm happy that you have one ready. <laughs> yeah. So um, everyone knows that yelling at your children is not really helpful, right? And afterward, you feel bad. They feel bad. It didn't get you where you wanted to go. So telling somebody information, don't yell at your children, That's not new information. And yet people still yell at their children. So why is that? And sometimes the underlying belief is my child is doing that on purpose, right? My child is doing that to annoy me or my child is ignoring me or my child is being lazy. There's so many potential underlying beliefs. But if we really look at the situation, we might see that it's actually the child's doing the best they can in the moment. And that brings us to a place of more compassion. So if we see our child doing something that's undesirable and we can look at that with the compassion to know that they're doing the best they can in the moment, our reaction instead of yelling at them is to support them. So do you see how the the underlying belief makes all the difference in what you do next? That's such a great example because you're right. We, you know, we all know there are certain things we know we shouldn't do, whether in classroom or in parenting, but, you know, life happens and suddenly you're not being the type of teacher or parent that you want to be and, and getting to, to the why is really critical there. Well, and it makes the change last, right? Once you decide, oh, that, no, that belief no longer serves me and I'm going to look at it differently, it's amazing. You no longer need to be told over and over 
you know, don't yell because your belief that drove the yelling changed and the yelling stops as a result. Um, And it's not immediate. And that's another thing I like about the coaching model is that I'm with these parents for, you know, 12 to 16 weeks, which because it takes a little time for habits to change. Right. Sometimes we accidentally fall back on old habits. And this gives us time to really help cement some new habits that uh, that are more effective. And I think it takes time for things to start to work. Like even, you know, my husband said this the other day, he's like, oh, I kind of forgot that like, like, re- you know, reinforcement doesn't work right away. It like takes a little bit to get going. I was like, yeah, exactly. Cause you know, I'm trying, I like ABA everyone in my family here, but you know, he's like, oh, like, you know, we were working on like sitting down for, you know, with even my two-year-old at the table. And it's like, everyone has to sit. And the first times are always not good, but it, it takes time to get routines in place and things like that. And And so I like that having that consistency that you have with families allows for like things to kind of get into place and those habits to really start to form. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes when parents come to me, they're so used to um, not feeling effective, right? Because so much of what they're doing isn't working that as soon as something doesn't work, they want to give up on it. And I get it because it's been a long road already by the time they come to me. But, you know, I'm able to help them stay with it, try again, tweak it a little bit, do it a little differently. Um, And, you know, very quickly, they start to feel the successes and success breeds success. And it's, you know, really effective model for um, getting from where you are to where you want to be. I also like the accountability component that they're likely as with a coaching model versus, you know attending a training or a book, like you can always be like, oh, I'm going to read that after my kids go to bed or at the end of the day. And then it doesn't happen versus, you know, having a scheduled time and someone else that's meeting with you, you can't ditch that quite as easily, right? Exactly. So that is also beneficial. Um, And yeah, and it's good for them too. They're accountable to themselves, right? Not only to the appointment, et cetera, but um I think that's a good feeling for them to feel like I'm going to stay in the game because sometimes it's so tempting to just say, oh, forget it. This is too hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, like yeah, it's not, it's not a choice with your child. Yeah. And like scheduled reflection time on whatever it is, whether it's yourself or your, your role as a, as a clinician or a teacher or as a parent, it's just having that kind of built in or else we don't always do that. Think about like the why, like getting to take that bird's eye view a little bit. Absolutely. I agree with that. Awesome. Well, where can people go to learn more from you and about your coaching? So my website is autismparentsolutions.com. And on that website, you'll find a free training that you can access right from the website if you want to hear more. Um, If you feel like you're ready to talk to me directly and explore whether working together would make sense, you can go to autismparentsolutions.com forward slash apply, and that'll take you to my calendar and you can book a spot. Um, It will then take you to a little form that I ask you to fill out. So I have some more information so we can make the most of our time together. Uh, And I'd be happy to explore with you whether, whether it makes sense for you and your family. Great. I will put both of those links in our show notes. Andrea, thank you so much. I think this will be a great resource, you know, even for teachers to share with parents as well. So thank you so much for joining me. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate it because I, you know, I, I feel really passionate about helping parents. I was where they are right now. And, um, you know, I remember how hard it was and I really, I love the opportunity to help parents emerge from that and feel really successful in their parenting, uh, really confident and, you know, feeling like they've got this, which is so important. It's so great. Love that. Well, thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me today. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest, or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.